for listening to the weekly sermon. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Glenn Hubbard. For more about this podcast and other resources, visit our website at www.riverinthehills.com. Well, Suzanne and I were in uh, Minnesota last week. It was 11 degrees in Nisswa, Minnesota, as we did a wedding for Jessica Schweders. It was wonderful. She's now Jessica Hoffman. Uh, but I sure missed you all. I'm glad to be back. So glad to be back. Uh, I also wanted to make sure everyone, whoever has the notes, who didn't get the notes, I've got some notes for you. Raise your hand. We'll make sure you get those. Those will help you follow along. Uh, also, we had, if you notice, we had this amazing combination of Marissa with this male vocal, Ryan Kondo. Would you stand up, Ryan? Sorry to do this. He's from all over. If you've ever been to International House of Prayer in Kansas City, what a blessing to have you be with us today. It was just amazing. I had that sense Friday night during our Behold Night of a, a Convergence. We had a number of people from different uh, churches on the worship team, and I sensed this uh, this, these streams coming together and then causing a synergy or an increase of the, of the presence of the Lord that, that would then go out from, from here, from this little prayer room, from the, this city to the ends of the earth. So I don't know if you want to do ends of the earth at the end today or not, but it's, uh, it's, a, it's a really good. If it was a jukebox, I'd push that a lot, you know. In fact, when you guys were warming up Friday night, I was like, who put on Spotify? Who put on Ryan Kondo? Because it sounded so, so good, so good. So, well, Father, I thank you for these next moments that we can come before you, before your word, that, Lord, my voice would be um, minimized and your voice would be amplified, that we would hear your voice that we would mix your word with faith, that you would transform us to become more Christ-like, that you would conform our hearts to, uh, to draw closer to you and to be vessels for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, let me move some of this around. As we've been singing and talking about it, today is Palm Sunday, and um, it was the day where Jesus came into Jerusalem to shouts of Hosanna, Hosanna in the highest, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, and uh, it was, they laid the palm branches down in honor of Jesus, and what a contrast to think that just five days later, there were different shouts. Instead of Hosanna in the highest, there were shouts of crucify him, crucify him. I mean, it's just pretty, it's amazing that here he was. It was palm branches and praise on Sunday, and then five days later, it was beating and bleeding as Jesus shed his blood for us for the sin of the world, that whosoever would believe in him would not perish, but have everlasting life. And so it's a very, it's, it's a celebration, but it's also very sobering to realize what, what Jesus 
has done for us. You know, it's also very interesting. God is such a poet because um, Jesus came in on the Hebrew calendar. It was the 10th of Nisan. He came in to Jerusalem on the beginning of Passover. Actually, in our today, it was actually yesterday, the 10th of Nisan. But, but he came in as the Lamb of God into Jerusalem. And at that very time, there were tens of thousands of lambs being brought into Jerusalem for the priests to inspect for purity. And then those lambs, five days later, would be sacrificed for the Jewish homes because it was Passover. And so it's as, the, as Jesus, the Lamb of God, was being sacrificed, these lambs were being sacrificed as well in the city as a picture because to point us to Jesus because 1 Corinthians 5 verse 7 says that Jesus is our Passover lamb. And so we're going to talk more about that this, <clears throat> this Friday at the Passover Seder. Seder sounds like a strange word. It means order. There's an order to what's going to happen Friday night that um, is followed all over the world by Jewish people and, and, and Christians who embrace Israel. And so uh, we're going to learn more about that Friday, but, uh, but just suffice it to say, we're gonna, it, it all points Friday. We're not Jewish, by the way. We are, I'm not. Some of you are by blood, but, but we celebrate the, uh, the, the Jewish people and we, have, we take them into our hearts. And the Passover Seder, you're going to find out, and I'm going to talk a little bit about it in a few minutes, it all points to Jesus. And so it's, it's pretty exciting. I hope, hope you can make it as that the, Suzanne made that announcement. So today I want to continue looking at some of the final words of Jesus as he hung on the cross. Um, the, the, he basically <clears throat> was on the cross for six hours from 9 a.m. to 3 p.m. And he made seven statements basically from the cross and as I shared a few weeks ago, he, he wasn't just calmly saying these statements. He was in excruciating pain. Roman crucifixion was such that when you hung on the cross after a few moments, the, the muscles in the upper body would become paralyzed. And so you would, Jesus had to pull up with the spikes in his wrists, he had to pull up to catch enough breath to make these statements. So think about it, how important these statements must have been for Jesus to pull up to make these statements. I think it would do us well to examine these statements and then to take to our own hearts and apply them in our own lives. Because I don't believe Jesus just said them for that moment. But when your final words are spoken, they're very important. So I'm, I'm praying the Lord will give us revelation to apply these truths in our own lives. The, uh, I want to talk about the third set of statements. It's actually two statements together uh, that Jesus shared from the cross because they relate to the Passover Seder. I'm going to skip the second one, which was the repentant thief on the cross 
asked Jesus to remember him <clears throat> when he went into his kingdom. But the third one today, it's found in uh, Luke 19, verses 25 through 27. And uh, it's a poignant and, and tender passage. It just can, it, it really has gripped me as I've considered it even more. John 19, 25 through 27 says, <clears throat> Now there stood by the cross of Jesus his mother and his mother's sister, Mary, wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene. So there were three Marys there. Mary was a common name back then. When Jesus therefore saw his mother and the disciple whom he loved standing by, he said to his mother, Woman, behold your son. Now he wasn't saying, but by the way there, he wasn't saying, Woman, look at me, your son. He was talking about John, the apostle, who was standing next to Mary. We know that because of the next verse. The next verse says, <clears throat> uh, looking at John, he says, Then he said to the disciple, Behold your mother. And from that hour, the disciple took her to his own home. Church tradition says that Mary stayed with John for 11 years in his home in Jerusalem before she died which would have put her dying at around age 59 or 60, which would mean she was obviously very young when she uh, gave birth to Jesus. Other church traditions say that Mary actually went with John to Ephesus after that. And we, but the scripture doesn't say how long she was with him or how, how long that was. But, but the point was that from that moment, Jesus turned over the care of his mother into John's hands. So um, now we know it's John. It doesn't say John, but we know it's John for three reasons. I've got those in your notes there. Um, the first one is that John wrote the book of John, and it's the one, the one of the four Gospels that has this account in it. The second reason we, we know it's John is John would refer to himself as the disciple whom Jesus loved. You know, that, I, don't you love that about John? I love that. At first when I heard that, I was like, hmm, kind of the ego on that guy, you know? But actually, it, he, John didn't have a big ego. He had a big revelation. That's one of those woes right there. Yeah, okay. Where, Marissa, where's your, where's your whistle? Okay, thank you. All right. He had a big revelation. I'm the disciple Jesus loved. But loose, you're also the disciple he loved. So the more we have revelation, and matter of fact, I don't know, 13, 16 years ago when I started this prayer room out there, um, it was this old, this mixtape, I'm, I'm diverging here, but this is fun. <clears throat> there was this um, special reserve of, of prayer room moments in Kansas City, and John Thurlow was singing, uh, Here I Am, Your Favorite One, like over and over. And I'm sitting in here, by myself going, why is he singing that? Why, why would I think I'm your favorite one? Because there's so much of the world telling me I'm, you're just whatever. But it started getting into me that in the economy of God, the infinite love of God, you're his favorite. You're, it's like Oprah. You get a car. You get a car. You're his favorite if you will see that. And you know what? 
it'll change the way you live. Because the, the world's estimation, the devil's estimation will pale in comparison to how he feels about you. So here's John, the disciple Jesus loved. And so he writes it in there, you know, he, <clears throat> when he saw his mother and the disciple whom he loved standing by. So we know it was John. Third, we also know it was John because basically he was the only disciple there at the cross. So he was, he was standing next to her. <clears throat> you might wonder why not? What about half-brothers? Jesus had four half-brothers. Right? Why wouldn't he have turned the care of, of his mother over to one of his half-brothers? Right? It's good inquiring minds want to know. Well, he didn't, he didn't do that because none of his half-brothers were yet believers that Jesus was the Messiah. They, they became believers after the resurrection, but at that point, they weren't believers. And so um, picture the scene there. Jesus is going to die in a few hours. He sees the pain of his mother. He feels compassion for her. And so he, he realizes that she's having to watch him suffer in such a humiliating way and so much blood and he's realizing what she's, what she's going through. And it's against that backdrop that he pulls himself up gets air, and says, woman, behold your son. He turns over the care of her future to John the apostle. Then he turns to John and he says, behold your mother. Uh, it's very touching. It's interesting. A couple more points about this. He doesn't call her mother, Behold your son. He says, woman. That wasn't a term of disrespect. It was actually a term of deep respect. Back then, you, you could call someone mother. I th but also, John called her mother. I mean, excuse me. He called her woman because she wasn't just, he wasn't just her son. He was her savior. And so he called her woman. Behold, he said, woman, behold your son. You know, today, calling someone woman, you know, if I walked in as a, as a high school student when my mom was alive and I said, woman, where's my dinner? You know, she'd be like, wouldn't go over today. But back then, Jesus was, was using that term woman in a, in a respectful way. Respectful way. Roman numeral three here, as I thought and prayed about some points from these statements, three, three things came into my heart that I want to pass on that aren't just thoughts, but I believe they're biblical principles that we can apply in our own lives. Uh, some of them just kind of came through prayer in the last couple of weeks and on the plane flying back from Minnesota. And there, there are three takeaways that, that hopefully we can apply in our own lives. Um, first of all, Paragraph A, Jesus thought of others before himself. In the middle of his pain, he thought of others. Think about it. He, he, he says, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Then the, the repentant thief next to him, today you 
will be with me in paradise. And then he sees his mother and thinks about her. In the middle of his torture, being tortured, he had compassion and thought about his mother. And so with him showing that kind of thought for others in the middle of his pain, I believe he calls us as his disciples to do likewise. Because we can kind of get pretty poor me, can't we? In the middle of times and think about just us. But he calls us to look past that, to look through that. Look through our pain and care about and care about others. You know, I think about what must have been going. You know, one of the things King David talked about in Psalm 27 is to spend time before the Lord, beholding his beauty and inquiring in his temple. So um, I kind of was asking the questions, and there's no right or wrong answer here, but what must have been going through Mary's mind? Looking at her son in in such a state. What was going through her mind? Well, maybe she was thinking about the, the... the history with her son, because her history with, with her son, Jesus, was unlike any other mother and son in history, right? right? I mean, it starts out with an angel appears to Mary and says, you haven't had relations with a man, but you're going to become pregnant with the Savior of the world. What? She, she believed it. Then she gives birth in Bethlehem in the manger and these shepherds show up and they said, an angel told us to come. Then a year and a half later, the, uh, she's at this house and uh, roughly a year and a half, the magi, the wise men come and they give her son gold, frankincense and myrrh. Anybody have anyone bring gold, frankincense, and myrrh to your children? Probably not. So she might have been thinking of those things, but you know what I think? My opinion, she was probably remembering the prophetic word that Simeon gave her when Jesus was eight days old. She she and Joseph took Jesus to the temple And Simeon says to her, I I put it in your notes, Luke 2, 34, 35. Then Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, this child is destined to cause the falling and rising of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be spoken uh, against so that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed. Now here it is. Simeon said, and a sword will pierce your own soul too. Can you imagine having an eight-year-old, eight-day-old baby and a, soul, a sword's going to pierce your soul? He turns to Mary and says, a sword's going to pierce your soul. She didn't know what that meant back then. Now she knows. The sword was piercing her soul. Oh. You know, she had such poise and strength. It looks, appears like watching Jesus suffering. I think it's because 1 Timothy 1.18 says, by prophecy we wage a good warfare. So I believe she was remembering the prophetic word that Mary, get ready. 
is the day will come when a sword will pierce your soul. I just want to stop right there and say some of you, I prayed this morning before church. I felt like the Lord put on my heart. Lord, what's on your heart today? And the Lord was saying, I want to help push people forward across the finish line. And I feel like for some of you, that means the Lord wants to revive and renew in your thinking some prophetic words you've been given before. Because by prophecy, we wage a good warfare. Don't give up. Don't give in. So I'm just asking even right now for the Holy Spirit during these next, next minutes to, to, help renew your, to help renew your mind to certain prophetic words. Because they are what encourage you to fight the good fight of faith. Amen. Amen. All right. So my, uh, my, my first takeaway is that Jesus wants us to keep caring about others even while we're going through trials. He wants us to keep caring for others while we're going through trials. John 15, verse 13, Jesus says it, okay? It's not just my opinion of it as a takeaway. He says, greater love has no one than that he lay down his life for his friends. Jesus was literally laying down his life for us. In like, in like manner, he's calling you and me as his disciples to lay down our lives in, in a thousand smaller ways every day. Every day, there are times when we lay down our life for our friends out, out of love. And so I'm praying that, <clears throat> that this, these statements of Jesus will inspire us Say, Holy Spirit, strengthen me to look past the pain of my circumstance or my trial or the mistreatment I'm undergoing or the betrayal that I'm experiencing and still care about others because I believe this is a message, a lesson for all of us. I don't want to go through, everyone's got their stories, but I was in the hospital a number of years ago I had an abscess this size of, of infection over my liver. Not a fun thing. And so, the, but the doctor came in and said, um, you're going to have to feed from a tube for the next 30 days. You can't, nothing can pass through your lips for 30 days. I'm like, not even ice chips? No. He's like, nothing. Now, I wasn't like Jesus. I was so mad. <laughs> I was biting everybody's head off. I mean, and Suzanne's like, is she in here? She's okay. I was like, uh, I was mad at the person coming in to check my blood. I'm like, ah, you know, because I was so in pain and so, you see, now I'm not trying to minimize pain that any of you are going through right now. I'm not. I'm not, I'm not trying to in any way uh, dismiss it as trivial or, or, or minimize it. It hurts. Okay? It really hurts. But pain is not justification to bite other people's heads off or to quit on God. Or like I said a few months ago, I find no fault in you. 
through the pain, right? <laughs> when the pain comes, it's like, I find no fault in you. None of, it's not a justification to quit walking in the Spirit and become self-centered. And so even right now, Lord, would you help us to, to rise up and, and, and press through to continue to love I could say the anointing was so strong that the battery broke, but I won't do that because that's not true. All right, so um, can you all hear me okay? All right. All right, so um, William Barclay said this. uh, He said, there's something infinitely moving in the fact that Jesus, in the midst of the agony of the cross... In the moment when the salvation of the world hung in the balance, he thought of the loneliness of his mother. Even though Jesus was occupied with the most important event in the history of redemption, he still had the presence of mind and the character to make provision for the needs of his mother. I also want to read this from this book called The Crucifixion of the King of Glory, The Amazing History and Sublime Mystery of the Passion by Eugenia Scarvelis and Constantino. Or I guess that's her her full name. She's a PhD. All right. She says this. This is the compassion Jesus had on his mother. To be alone and elderly with no children and no income, unable to care for oneself, was a terrible predicament to face in the first century. No social services, pensions, senior housing, or nursing, nursing care facilities. Elderly parents were cared for by their children, and as he was dying, Jesus was concerned for his mother. King David took care of his elderly parents. Jesus, son of David took care of his elderly mother. Which leads me to, our, to the second uh, takeaway here. Jesus took care of his mother, and he wants his disciples to take care of each other as if we were family. Okay, uh, Kaylee, can you stand up for a second? See her shirt? It says, Revival is Family. I love it. Thank you. Let's clap for Kaylee. Yeah, come on. That, you know the Spirit of God is moving. When you look at each other, not just, oh, you go to River in the Hills? Oh, okay, you're a member? No, we're family. We're family because we have the same Heavenly Father. It's not just a cute term, oh, brother so-and-so, sister so-and-so. No. See, you put a mic in my hand, I start becoming an evangelist, right? (laughs) Go for it. (laughs) You see, because he wants us to look past and look at at each other truly as, as members of the family of God. And so Jesus could have said... To, to, to woman, behold your caretaker. Behold your guardian, John. 
Behold your power of attorney. Behold your visiting angel or your assistant. He said, no. Behold your son. He was saying to Mary, I want you to look at John with motherly affection from this point on. Because the Bible says, it's in your notes there, God set Isaiah, uh, Psalm 68, 6, God sets the solitary in families. The enemy wants to isolate believers in the body of Christ. He wants to keep us from truly seeing each other as family. And I don't know what seeing each other at River in the Hills as family looks like exactly to you, because I think it looks different for different people. But I do believe the enemy, can you turn it up a little? I've got it kind of coming right here. <laughs> I believe the enemy wants to isolate us so he can pick us off. You know, it's, it's like in the, on the Serengeti, the lions, you know, Satan goes, the Bible says Satan goes about like a roaring lion. You know what the dynamic of that was? The lions on the Serengeti would roar, causing the ground to vibrate. And then the antelope herd, they would, they would, they would cause panic in the antelopes. And one of them or a couple of them would run away from the herd and go off. And that's when the lion would attack. His scheme was to... Satan's scheme is to isolate so that he can intimidate and then destroy. And so this is more than just a cute thing. We're in a time today where I believe the enemy, there's a new set of isolation techniques. It's happening, obviously, with, with sin and lust of the flesh in the world. But I think it's also happening. Can I talk to y'all just a second? Let's like straight up to you. Through YouTube, through a lot of the internet, even sincere Christians are being isolated because of teachings coming over the internet that don't elevate connection with a local church. Oh, well, I have a greater revelation. I don't need the church family. We got to go against that. We got to look at each other with the eyes. Would you just look around at each other right now? Just take a look around. This is family. It doesn't necessarily mean you got to go, hey, here's my car keys, you know, take, but it might. <laughs> I, I see so many of you. I had someone. Uh, you know, say, hey, I'm taking care of someone else. Can, can, do you have a refrigerator? So she, she came by. We got a refrigerator. She took it to someone else. That's family. Amen. All right. So one thought along with this was this. A couple weeks ago, I was in Canada. It was 15 degrees in Canada. With a 40-mile-an-hour wind, they call that a clipper, and I got clipped by whew, 
We were up at Rachel and Paul Penner's church, and I was up there at Canada, in Canada. Had a great time, different nights of meetings. But I'm going to share a testimony that helps us to understand family and, and taking care of each other and just how important this is. Plus, this is also kind of a, a kiss of the Lord on, on, this, on why I feel led to talk about this today. <clears throat> a couple weeks ago, I was, uh, see, I saw a man in the, in the church, <clears throat> and the Lord uh, had a word for him. And I said, the Lord wants, uh, and, and so I had him come forward, and I, <clears throat> I said, I, as soon as I touched his shoulder, I had this word that the Lord wanted to use him to take care of widows and the weak in the church. And so, but as soon as I touched his shoulder, sometimes God will do that with me. He'll, he put this in my heart. I said, you're, you're like John, the apostle, when Jesus said, uh, behold your mother. And I said, you are, and then everyone around him started laughing. And it turns out his name is Jonathan. And so I was like, all right, good. I, all right, I'm on track. And they think I'm not crazy Texan, you know. So I went on with the word and in, encouraged him that he was going to be <clears throat> helping widows and the weak and uh went on with some other things to, by the way, prophecy is to build up, stir up, and cheer up, okay, so it wasn't revealing bad things or whatever, so it was encouraging, he was encouraged, then that was Friday night, I think, then Sunday, he comes up after the service and says, you don't know this, but my dad is a pastor in Durban, South Africa, and I called him, uh, the next day about your word for me. And he said that my dad, while you were giving that word, so according to whatever the time change or being in South Africa, while you were giving me that word about John being given charge of Mary, my dad was in South Africa preaching that very scripture. And so I was like, wow. That was cool, wasn't it? But it also helped me say, I think I'm supposed to preach on this today. So, um, worship team, if you can come forward. Um, the third, the third takeaway <clears throat> was that John, is that uh, so? So the, the the thoughts were take thought, take take thought of others through your pain. Take care of others in the family of God. And the third point was take into your heart the, the Jewish people as the Gentile church. Take, take them into your heart. And like, like Jesus said to John, I want you to adopt Mary. It's a precious thought, guys. I believe the Lord is calling the Gentile church to adopt his beloved brethren, the Jewish people, into our hearts. Because right now, the vast majority of Jewish people don't see that Jesus is the Messiah. And yet, 
What did they say on Palm Sunday? Blessed is he, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Did you know Jesus says, I'm not going to come back to the earth until my people, the Jewish people, say, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. I've been to Israel. I've been to Jerusalem. <clears throat> this is really wild. As you drive, as you go driving the highway up the hill to Jerusalem, you're like you literally go up the hill. There are signs in stone in Hebrew that say, like a welcome to Houston or welcome to Waco. They say, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. They don't even realize. They put the sign out <clears throat> because the one coming back, their Messiah, the King of the Jews, is coming back to be their king. And so he is entrusting us like he entrusted Mary into John's hands. He's entrusting us with interceding for their salvation. And so this Friday night, this Passover Seder, isn't because we're trying to be Jewish. Full disclosure, I want us to have a warmed up heart to embrace his people because I feel that, that, that <clears throat> Jesus is saying, Glenn, can I entrust my people's future and salvation to people like you to stand in the prayer room and pray. Well, the Passover Seder helps me because it all points to Jesus. You know, Friday night, you know, by the way, y'all know the Lord's Supper, right? Can y'all, why don't y'all go ahead and stand up? You know. <clears throat> Lord's Supper, right? Jesus said, took the bread, right? Everybody knows that? Took the bread and broke it and said, take and eat. This is my body broken for you. This is what he took. Because Lord's Supper was instituted at a Passover Seder. Now, if you could zoom in and you could hold this up to the light, there's, there's pierced holes in this. Jesus was pierced. It all points to Jesus. Jesus was pierced and there's stripes on it. Jesus was bore the stripe. By his stripes, we were healed. Jesus took the matzah, he broke it and said, take and eat, this is my body. That was at a Seder. We're going to do that this Friday night. Jesus took the cup and he said, this cup is the new covenant in my blood as often as you drink it. That's a cup in the Seder, the third cup. Guess what it's called? There are four cups. We, we'll drink four cups of juice Friday night. Not wine, we're not going to go wine, but... Anyway, the third cup is called the cup of redemption. So, there's more to it, more to come Friday night, but it will help us to take charge, to, to adopt the Jewish people in our hearts. Father God, I ask now <clears throat> that you would help us to look out, to take thought of others in the midst of our pain. It, right now, Holy uh, 
not Holy Spirit, yes, move, but I'd like our prayer teams to come forward. If you're going through a time of pain, a time of trial, and you want prayer, and you want the Lord to help you look out through, from that to love others in the midst of the pain. First of all, we want to pray that the, that the, that the trial end soon, quickly, even today. But to take thought of others, to take care of one another as family. I'd like you to bow your heads right now. I'm going to step out and just go for this thing. Would you just, if you feel somewhat isolated from the family of God, maybe you're visiting today and you just feel isolated from your home church or or you're here today if you would like the Lord to help you come out of that isolation into a greater relationship with the family would you raise your hand up real real high right now just say I want to I, I feel like I've been isolated and I want to be brought more into the family of God okay anyone else there are many there are other hands going up all right, you know what? I'd like everyone to look around right now. And uh, I know we have this altar open, but if you see these hands, would somebody just come around and just put your hand on them right now? If you're a believer today, you're family. Would someone come over to this gentleman here and over here? Amen. And just the person, just the, the people next to you right now, would you just maybe just... Put your hand on their shoulder. Everyone in the room right now, I'm going to ask that. And if if you're like with a married couple, just kind of scoot, just get, get in some groups right now. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm changing things up. So prayer teams, if you can go out and just pray for them too. Y'all go. <laughs> Thanks. We're a well-oiled machine around here. Yeah, yeah. Everybody with somebody. Thank you, Jesus. I know it's we're just breaking it all, but can somebody get around some of our worship team? Can somebody come up here? Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Holy Spirit, I invite you to bring us all out of whatever degrees of isolation. Some of it may be um, some of it may be offenses that are keeping you. Jesus forgave you of so much. Just choose right now to forgive all other persons who've hurt you. Yeah. As the worship team sings we're just going to sing during this song now. Just pray for one another for strength through the trials, for deliverance from isolation. And let's add to it pray that our hearts would be opened to be watchmen on the wall, to for an escort into how God feels about the Jewish people. 
for he is zealous for Zion. He burns for Zion. So, Lord, I want to step into your fire for Israel. I want to, I want to be like John the Apostle and say, Lord, I'll take care of them. I will carry them in my heart. Let's, let's worship. Let's sing to the Lord now. Thanks for listening to the weekly sermon. To download the notes and slides for this message, visit our website, riverinthehills.com. If you would like to partner with us in moving God's heart and changing the world, please subscribe to our podcast, leave a review, and share this episode with a friend.